Oh no, there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the third party, an Apex Legends podcast hosted by myself, Shay, and joined as always by my co-host, Henry. You were shaking your head no. Did you hate that new little cup and try to make it more interesting on the intro? I feel bad for all the listeners. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. It only took two years <laughs> for me to try something else. Yeah, you try to deviate from the script and everything goes to hell. Hey, if you like it, leave a comment and uh, we'll do it again, I guess. I guess. Don't make that a thing. Don't make that a thing. Oh, man. We got a fun one today. Today, we have the Olympus Guide how to avoid third parties on Olympus, answering the big question, sharing our experiences, grinding up to masters on Olympus. Uh, and yeah, this is going to be your cool old Saturday episode. Before we dive into it, though, we want to make sure you join our Discord to ask questions for the podcast, chat Apex, find teammates, and receive third-party updates. Link is in the description. We're also getting very, very close to our next major Patreon goal. Once we hit it, we'll be recording a studio tour. Of both of our setups. It's going to be a lot of fun. I've been looking forward to it for a while, and we are nearly there. If you're interested in that and you want to join the Patreon right now, if you sign up on Patreon, you can also get access to a private lobby tournament for mm-hmm. Apex on April 2nd. Uh, first come, first serve. Signups are live on Patreon. Link for that is in the description. Yep. I'm so excited for that tournament. It's going to be a ton of fun. And uh, if you join the tournament, join the Discord as well. To That's where we kind of run everything. Um, and if you have questions... Oh, gosh. I don't know what just happened there. If you have questions about uh, how you join the Discord with your Patreon role, there is a great post that explains and walks through the steps to do so. Okay. Let's dive into it. Let's dive into Olympus, a map we have talked very poorly about for a while now. Uh, but obviously, it is our favorite and best map, according to the ranks. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I, I like doing these guides. Um, in the early days of the podcast, we were very hesitant to do map guides um, mm-hmm. just because it's so visual. One of the ways that we've tried to counter that is by adding some visuals. Uh, to the patrons that have access to our show doc. So they have a little bit of a, a visual guide to, to go along with while listening. Um, but understanding the maps and decoding the POIs and the rotations is a very critical skill, um, probably below gun skill. And above understanding your legend abilities is really understanding the maps. Um, I think it, it's almost that important. Yeah, it is. I mean, we've talked about how the map dictates the power of the legends. So yeah, you could even exactly. put the map before the legends and say knowing how to play this map is important to then how you pick your legend. And that's kind of how we've gone about it in the past. So yeah, it's incredibly important. And Olympus is such a different map. And when we look at the scheme of Apex Legends that it matters more than any other one out there, uh, if I'm being completely honest with you. Um I know we're not the biggest fans. I, I guess I'm turning around a little bit on it with having done the fun ranked grind on it. But I love that Olympus is a map that a lot of people like as well, though. And that's always really nice to see the fans coming together and liking something. And I'm totally happy to be in the minority of an opinion on that front. Yeah, Olympus is just massively different than any other map. And it couldn't be more different 
from what has historically been the number one apex map, which is World's Edge. Like mm-hmm. Olympus is polar opposite. Opposites, um, yep. In almost every single way. Um, so the fact that it is enjoyed by the community is a wonderful thing. Like that just means that Apex in general can be played from such different perspectives and enjoyed in both, which if you're looking for a, a game to last the ages, you need that. So yep. I'm very happy that uh, Olympus is a is a pretty popular map. Let's talk about some of the changes that came this season and how maybe they impact things. We got two new POIs, Terminal and Phase Driver. Those are kind of the big shifts. And then they added new pathways into Turbine, new pathing from Hydroponic to Phase Driver. They shifted some stuff around and added new phase cover by things. They moved some survey beacons. They moved redeploy towers by Solar Array and Hammond Labs. Put it all together. Any of the changes like drastically change how you think you would go about playing? And what are your thoughts just on those changes in terms of looking at it as a guide to Olympus? Yeah, so I think apart from the new POIs, a lot of these quality of life changes were focused on filling open space mm-hmm. on this map and then decreasing third parties. Did it accomplish that? I do not think so. I don't think the the new cover, like the phase cover that's by mm-hmm. uh, phase driver and terminal, actually fills the space uh, in a drastic way. I think you're still very much out in the open, and it looks cool. Yeah. Is that a problem that could be solved? Not really. Open space is open space. You add mm-hmm. more rocks to it, it's still open space. You're having the same problem on Stormpoint. You know, a lot of people say there's too much open space uh, on the kind of south side of the map. Um, in terms of the third parties, these two critical redeploy towers um, that were removed outside of Hammond and Solar Array, I don't know if they're making a huge uh, impact. You know, the fact that we have tridents on this map, the fact that essentially the entire map is funneling into the center, um, makes it really hard to tell if there's a drastic difference uh, based off these two jump tower removals. Um, mm-hmm. Overall, though, I, I, even though I think the changes uh, probably didn't drastically change how you play the map, I do like the changes. I think that they're fun POIs. I think Terminal has an ungodly amount of supply bins, which is kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. And Phase Driver is cool. I love yep. the loot balls. I, I think that's great. I love the building design around it. Um, I think it's a great addition to the map. Yeah, I think it's some, like you, to summarize, I'll just summarize what you said. Great quality of life stuff. Do they make a difference? Yet to be seen. Don't know how third party and Hammond's been because we just don't go there. Um, but the two new POIs are cool. I wouldn't consider it a major map update having two new POIs, one that's, you know, all the way out on the edge of the map. Neither are like these late game places where I really want to play either, which kind of, you know, temper some of the excitement for them. Um, but I really do like Terminal. I, I like the concept of trying to put something that's impactful right outside of Hammond to slow down maybe the rotations in and cause another fighting area. Um, I understand that in theory. In practice, I think, you know, come to end of the season, we'll have maybe a stronger opinion on how things have played out. Um, yeah. Well, let's talk about kind of our guide, how we climb the ranks. And I think there's the way you look at this is this is a ranked guide, or this is a 
how do you want to play if you're just trying to win guide, which a lot of people want to do in pups. Henry's all about the dub no matter what. But this isn't going to be like a, hey, how do you get a 20 bomb on Olympus guide? Like, how do you drop hot and then rotate to do all those kinds of things? We're focused on winning, which means ranked or means the people that are kind of just all about that dub in pubs. That's right. And to just dive right into the first big category and choice that you're going to make when playing on any map is your drop location. Mm-hmm. Essentially, there's a couple uh, variables that we consider. The first one being we're looking for a location that is on the edge of the map. You know, We're trying to land in a place consistently that is uncontested and has a pretty good rotation no matter where the end game is. Um, dropping in the center of the map is honestly a better likelihood of being in the final ring, but it's going to be more contested. So mm-hmm. we kind of lay on the outside of the map to combat that. And you got to balance that with the hot drops as well. Yeah, you really do. And then the other kind of major criteria is POI size and footprint. We're looking for a POI that doesn't have too large of a footprint. Um, Rift, for example, is just way too big because it takes too long to loop. It Mm -hmm. can be contested quite easily, and your team can get separated too easily. So you want to be going to a POI that you can all land pretty close together and still get enough loop. And then the last, most maybe most important part, you got to look at our favorite thing in the world, the survey beacons. Survey beacons, and actually, this season, maybe now more than ever, tagging replicators into this criteria as well really impact our drop locations when we're looking at ranked and how we want to go about winning. We've had days where you get the light mag and the replicator. It feels like really nice when you're walking out and everybody's got a fully stocked, you know, full auto light gun, R3, all chain that's going to become an R3 car, etc. Like really nice replicators are great right now. And beacons just how we play the game for dubs. Yeah, it's really, really important. It is the third criteria is that kind of random spawns, but they make a huge difference. Like Shay mm-hmm. said, when the replicator is on a great rotation, it can make the difference between a, a plus thousand RP day and a, a plus a hundred. You know, mm-hmm. like it's a really big deal to be able to eliminate RNG with the replicator. That's how you win a BR by mm-hmm. eliminating the randomness. So huge points there. Um, Share some of our favorites. Yeah. So our favorite is number one going to be orbital cannon. And it's here of its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's on the edge. It's got spawns for beacons. It's got spawns for replicators. It has a pretty tight footprint. We practice that location. And what's great about it is you can take the roof and pretty much command the entire POI. Mm-hmm. Um, so by looting it quickly, being on the edge, uh, and having all the things that you need, it's a very defendable POI for that early drop plus the fact that it's that guaranteed trident spawn. So you have the easy rotation coming out of orbital. For us, there's not a better option for that consistent number one drop. I also love that it has a spill-off point, which is something mm-hmm. we look at as well. You know, It has power station and unnamed POI uh, on the map outside of it, which you can abandon to if truly need be. We really don't. But also, more importantly, a great spot to go supplement your loot hey, if we only got two blues or a blue and a purple or people are really light on mags or don't have guns that they want, that spot plus orbital, if you get it uncontested, you're really unlikely to leave those two areas without strong loot as a team. 
another kind of component of why Orbital is heads and shoulders above is no matter what the drop path is, you have really good entry points to Orbital. There's two super long zip lines that can get you that extra 500 meters Mm -hmm. to Orbital. And then there's also a Trident parking spot outside of that spill-off zone uh, just beside Icarus. So really, no matter what angle you're coming in, you're going to be able to make it all the way to Orbital um, because of all those kind of supplemental movement uh, features. Mm -hmm. Talk about some of our other favorites. Outside Orbital, um, really like the classic of the front of Carrier. Um, This is one that we mentioned in our original Olympus guide. It's very, very defendable. You know, Mm -hmm. it's packed in, condensed loot, so you can drop all as a team. You can defend the front of Carrier even without a uh, defensive legend. So it's just a really good early drop. And then third party in Fight Night or third party in Oasis or Docs is really doable here um, while kind of being relatively safe. Other options that are not those two Phase Driver, Icarus, Docs, Power Grid, I think are pretty good options in terms of their size, location, loot rarity. But all of these you don't really want to drop contested. Mm-hmm. Um, Orbital and Carrier, if you're very familiar with the space, I think you can have a meaningful advantage of dropping there even contested. The other four, maybe not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of have to pick those a little bit safer, but each of them, I think, location-wise, loot-wise, um, rotation-wise, are pretty strong options. Olympus, more than any other map to me, is all about dropping uncontested on the edge. So we got our favorite. We'll commit to it. We feel confident in going there. But if you're maybe not feeling that way yet, like you said, you know, Oasis, Carrier, Docks, Power Grid, throw Gardens in the mix, Elysium, like any of these where if you get it uncontested, that's that's what you're looking for to get that solid loot and get yourself off to a strong start. If you didn't notice, we did not mention Estates, Hammond Labs, Energy Depot, or Turbine. We are calling that the Rhombus of Death. This is not a place you drop, and this is not a place you ever go during the game either, unless the final zone shrinks on there. You do not rotate through any of those areas. That is called an untouchable zone. You will be better off by not entering that areas. That's one of the huge keys in how to avoid third parties in Olympus. Avoid the center of the map where everything funnels. Go through the zone. Rotate through the zone. Like Do it if you have to. Avoid it at all costs. It's not mm-hmm. worth it. It really isn't, uh, especially now more than ever. Um, a couple of the fun features about Olympus is that it has these kind of guaranteed loot drop areas. Yeah. The location that had the three bins on the top of Hammond Labs by the waterfall, no longer there. Do not trouble yourself by going to Hammond thinking you're going to be rewarded because you're not. Those three bins and their rarity were moved uh, to the center back of docks. So that's something that you're going to have a legendary supply bin drop. Bottom of Oasis is going to have legendary drops as well. The center of Elysium is also going to have legendary drops. Then the honorable mention of kind of this cool drop, uh, I guarantee is mm-hmm. a solar array. The center building is going to have guaranteed snipers, um, really any sniper you want with attachments. But the other thing that is probably more appealing to more players is within that, there's still going to be light mags carry over from when the G7 used to be included in that drop, as well as 
heavy mags and energy mags. Um, so definitely go there and get some really great loot there, um, especially if you want to play that marksman sniper uh, long range loadout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think knowing those little drop locations are great. You know, like we talked about, if you can get the uncontested drop, oh, even better if it gets to be Elysium where you guarantee you get some gold or Oasis where you guarantee some really high quality loot. Um, yeah, and if you're a sniper player, solar rays your dream. So yeah. definitely good tidbits of information to know. And also important to know when you're rotating and if you see an area of the map that's unlooted and it's like, hey, that is worth going out of my way to go check out and to go grab some extra loot. Um, so definitely valuable information there. A few of the POIs that we didn't mention and should kind of rationalize are hydroponics, bonsai, gardens, grow towers, and rift. Um, these are all, I would say, popular POIs. Yeah, People land yeah. there every single game, I would say, uh, almost without fail. All of them are kind of too spread out and too big. Gardens is kind of an exception to that. Uh, it's very popular. Um you can get better at it, but it being so contested and not having wonderful rotations from it kind of limits it from being a recommended drop. Anything that has proximity to the rhombus of death, we're not going to go there. No rhombus of death. Grow towers. Having the towers so separated makes it really, really difficult to loot as a team quickly. You want to land on different towers, but that's an incredible risk. If you land on a single tower, you slow down your entire team. We mm-hmm. really loved the idea of Grow Towers when Olympus came out. We would love to recommend it, but right now it's just not on our list. Mm-hmm. Bonsai, similar story, spaced out. If you do land together on the top side, it's just not enough loot. And if it's contested, it's really not enough loot. Hydroponics, and the hotter drop. Of course, hydroponics, way too spaced out, and rift, way too spaced out as well. So that kind of covers all the POIs, except maybe a few. Um, but those are kind of the reasons. How do you feel about the unnamed POIs on this map? Something yeah. we talk about a lot on like Kings and World's Edge is we really mm-hmm. like some of these unnamed, what we call spill-off places or supplemental spots, but can be main drops, and we've had them be main drops in our rank guide. Uh, but do any of them kind of stand out to you? I think we're looking at you know outside a carrier, in between carrier and oasis. We're looking at between Elysium, Estates, and Oasis. There's a little one right in the middle of all that. The one we mentioned earlier, the spill off of Orbital. Uh, and then we got, you know, outside of gardens, upper outside of gardens. And you could make an argument for the backside of Power Grid as well as like an unnamed POI. Any of those do anything for you as a, uh, not just a spill off location, but an actual, hey, I'm going to drop here and, you know, fight it out. Honestly, like you said in the past, we're a huge supporter of these. Mm-hmm. Um I'm not on this map. I think that it's too fast, too small, and the proximity to a hot drop makes it impossible uh, mm-hmm. to do something like this. Like, really, to not get too far ahead, you're looking for a location on the edge that you can get decent loot and rotate quickly from. If you drop at an unnamed POI, you're really not going to have the mobility to get into the middle and late game with decent loot. Mm-hmm. and I think that's just the deal breaker for a lot of those. And I think one of the biggest things with them as well is this map more than ever, those unnamed spill-offs, they just don't provide enough loot um, as other maps do. I think the only one uh, we've 
made an argument for, and I think you still could make an argument for, is the area out, up outside of gardens. If you get it purely uncontested, you can throw two people on the main buildings and one person can go take the two other side buildings. But then you're running a little bit of risk of being split up. But you obviously, you know, sometimes it's a high risk, high, not a high risk, high reward, but it's like you, you do what you can sometimes and work with what you got to get an uncontested drop. Um, and because there's a trident there, you do kind of get some of that rotational power too. That's the only one because of the extra kind of little spill off area of the spill off that I think there's an argument for. Um, but besides that, it's not something we recommend. Before we get into the rest of the episode, though, here's a quick word from our sponsors. Welcome back. Let's talk about how to drop. Yeah, how do you drop? So you pick your location. You're either going to drop uncontested to one of the good spots, or you're going to pick another good spot that is going to be your consistent go-to location. Mm-hmm. But what happens when you are contested? I think is a big question, especially in ranked. How do you drop contested when you're playing with the team? Mm-hmm. Um, number one. You drop at the same POI every time. Why is that? Well, the big reason is if you can learn loop patterns, if you can learn where the power positions are in an individual POI, you're going to have the advantage. And mm-hmm. that's why you should get the reps in. One of the things I've said for a long time is prioritize ground loop over supply bin loop because you can see what it is, you can loot it faster, and you're not rolling the dice on something that's unknown. So based off of that logic, when you are looting a a POI, don't land on supply bins. Don't land on supply bins first. That's the biggest uh, 50-50 gamble you could make. Mm -hmm. Learn where the best ground loot is. Take the advantage. Yep, I think that definitely covers it. That loot pattern is crucial, but you just got to think about it from a standpoint of if I drop the same place every time, master that spot, the odds of a team that's contesting me Knowing that spot to the same degree and having better, you know, just better knowledge of how to fight there is low. Yeah, maybe you will lose one or two. That happens. You know, you'll still lose fights all the time. That's the nature of Apex. RNGs always going to be a factor. But if you purely just have a knowledge advantage on that POI, you have a built-in advantage. And that's something you don't get a lot in Apex, but you can if you drop in the same place and master those loop patterns um, and how to, you know, like you said, kind of play in the many power positions within a POI. Yeah, looting quickly, staying tight with your team when you're on mics is really important. When you're dropping, obviously you got your head on the swivel and you're looking for if you're contested or not. More so, you're picking where exactly are we going to land because you want to stay really close together. Left side, right side, high side, low side. Make sure that you're landing close so you can loot quickly, take the high ground, and get the first knock. In ranked, When you're playing with the team, the first knock almost always wins. Mm -hmm. If you don't get the first knock, I would make the bold claim of never res unless you're lifeline. Mm -hmm. In these early fights, it is just not worth it. There are situations throughout the game where you can do a combat revive without lifeline. Timing, cover, abilities are all pretty important for that. In these early fights... I truthfully wouldn't waste a bubble. Like as maybe the second best reviver in the game, I probably wouldn't waste the the bubble on trying to do a quick res in the early game. 
I'm, the odds of the opposing team being far enough away that it's mm-hmm. worth it are very low. Like, if you know, if you're having like a poke fight and somebody gets knocked, sure, stick the res. But the odds of that happening on one contested POI drop are very low. So yeah, you're probably not getting the res off. If anything, bait the res, you know, yeah. hop on them for a second to kind of force a desperate push if you can. Um, yeah, and play the knockdown shield. That's kind of the best you can do in those situations. But like you said, going down two to three early is a huge disadvantage to be at. Now, what happens if you drop contested and you're not with the team? You're not on mic. You're not playing together uh, repeatedly. What do you do? Peace out. Scream and shout. (laughs) You're out of there. I think you got to run, especially in ranked. If you're plat or diamond and above, it's not worth the risk of the entry cost. You're not going to roll the dice on it. Um, It is so hard to take these contested fights. That's why we pretty much tell you. Don't do it in the first place. If you're with the team, you can kind of be aggressive and quick mm-hmm. and overcome that 50-50. If you don't have those two things, do not do the 50-50. It's too mm-hmm. expensive. It's it's way too risky. Do the work early in the dropship to find the uncontested POI so you can avoid that. Um, yeah, but those are why the spill-off locations are there, you know? Spill off if you need to, especially if yeah. you're not hitting the ground first. I, it, I mean, sometimes you're going to have to do it. If you're not the jump master and someone takes you to like a POI and there's nothing else around it, they're not listening to any pings, it better to probably stick with your team than force them into a 2v1 and then you rat for an entire game just in terms of an enjoyment of the game standpoint. And even dying off is not enjoyable, which is what could happen. Um, but yeah, for the most part, do whatever you can to get an uncontested POI if you're soloing, you know, it's hard to avoid, but you know, say, Hey, I want to be the jump master, type it in chat, say it on mic, like be in charge, take charge. That's pretty much straight facts. Now this next part, tridents are tridents. The reason that Olympus is either third party central or good for rotations, quick rotations, or are Tridents just a huge risk? Should you use them on Olympus? Mm-hmm. I think it's a great question. And one that we've kind of talked about in the past and honestly not been the biggest fans of Tridents. Like we didn't offer them as like a huge useful tool. And I'll be completely honest with you, our tune has shifted on that. But there is a variable that is incredibly important to that. And that's Gibraltar. Gibraltar if if you don't have Gibraltar, don't use Tridents. Like truly, and I I do feel that I do feel strongly in that. But if you're running in Gibraltar, like we recommend you do in ranked, it is an incredibly viable way to get through the map. I would say we rotated with a Trident every single game we played in our ranked split. Like guys, we drop Orbital. We're rotating with the Trident to get the docks. We're rotating with the Trident to get outside of estates. Rotating with a trident to get the rift everywhere, every single place on the map, no excuses. And how many times do you think we died on a trident? Not many. I think with Gibraltar and the amazing driving skills of Shay, <laughs> we had a ninety-eight percent success rate of mm-hmm. trident rides. Um, you know, it it really comes down to the confidence and the speed. But having a bubble and a boost pretty much protect you from almost anything Mm -hmm. yes there were cases where we ran past and through three or four teams and we did not live Um, Mm -hmm. but that margin of error or success being 98 percent successful 
we're willing to take that. Um, and the value that Triadents provide is pretty much unparalleled in any other map. Um, so it's all about knowing where you want to go, but definitely you're using a Triadent to get there. Yeah, full-on replaced our movement legend in our comp mm -hmm. with the item in the game. Um, some tips on the Trident. Uh, you got a boost and you got a bubble. Like Henry was saying, use one at a time. We didn't do this early on. We started getting better at this late. Um, one bubble first, so that way the thing can be on cooldown as well. And then if you run into a second team, hit the boost. Use them separately. Think of them as one escape each. And that's why if you get to the third team or fourth team, that's when you start to get into some serious trouble. Uh, trust your driver. Have the same person drive every single time because I truly think, and after doing it for a while, I think driving the Trident's a skill in this game and being able to maximize it. And so let somebody get as much practice in as possible doing so and trust that driver. Jump out when they get out. They'll call it out. They'll say, hey, we're stopping here or say, hey, like we don't have a boost. We don't have a bubble. We're absolutely going to die. We have to get out, like essentially. Um, trust them. Um, and other tips, you just got to get creative with it and get used to driving certain patterns to know how and where you can avoid kind of some rotations and maneuvering with cover on your back to avoid people continuing to poke at you uh, from longer ranges. But truly replaced our Valk and our comp with in terms of rotations, which is crazy and something we were not expecting going into this season. But we started doing it and then it just kept working and it never stopped working. It's crazy to say, honestly. I, I have to say that... Um, the one positive thing is, A, it's worked really well for us. Two, we have yet to be arc star or yeah. run through a Watson fence, which mm -hmm. probably will never happen. But the arc star threat is very legitimate, mm -hmm. and it has not happened. So and it's kind of We're all playing about, in tough lobbies. Yeah. So <laughs> I think there's a big reason to use tridents, and you should do it. And the other thing I will say about the tridents is... In terms of rotating, like say if I'm looking at the map right now, we're at orbital, which is where we go. Say you have to get to carrier. You do not go through Hammond. You have the speed and time that you can take those trident pathways all the way on the outside and stay outside, avoid all combat if possible, essentially hug the edge of the ring. You can throw heat shields onto your trident by placing them under the driver's seat and trying to throw them there. Um and yeah, if you stick to those edges and just wait as long as you can to kind of like get there, it's not a straight line, you're going to be able to avoid some combat. And that's the best thing. Don't drive through the rhombus of death. Do not. Now, what about the phase runner? Are you going to use that in ranked? Are you going to recommend that for Olympus? I think we used it one time. Uh during our ranked grind. It is not something we use. Um, going to the center of the map is not something you ever need. Uh, and the only time we did it was when we were early and not dropping orbital. We dropped Elysium and we needed to rotate to Rift for Vinyl Zone, which we consider a pretty powerful endgame. Um, and we were willing to roll the dice to essentially say, hey, we're going to come out there by hitting it so fast. We'll drop down there. We'll drop up there. Take a fight if we need to. Um, or essentially bail out if we have to. And that's the only situation in which I can honestly think of using it, rotating from Elysium to a final zone shrink on Rift where you have beacon knowledge. But outside of that, truly can't think of a reason you would use it. Yeah, I agree. You're probably not going to use it ever, especially in ranked. Mm -hmm. um, Skyland was playing a game where she asked uh, her teammate who's playing Bloodhound to scan the beacon at Rift. <laughs> and the Bloodhound did it. Hooray. Awesome. 
And then the bloodhound just sent it right into the phase runner. And it made me think, I don't know if there's anything that can be so counter to another thing. Scanning the survey beacon and blindly taking a phase runner away from the zone. Um, so don't be like that. I don't at least they hit it. the beacon. Yeah, at least they hit the beacon, but then that was a rat uh, opportunity because you're not following that. No way. Oh, man. So true. So true. Uh, what else do we got to cover here? Marvin's. Marvin's, right? Talk mm-hmm. to me about the Marvin skill. You and I are not the Marvin specialist, but we can walk through the strategy. We do have a Marvin team special, teammate specialist. Everyone's got their roles on the rank squad. Shay's yeah. the driver, Henry's the bubbler, and we got the Marvin hitter. <laughs> it's a very critical role on the team. Um, you think about how important is a purple light mag, how important is a purple armor. Mm-hmm. Very, very much so, especially when you're rotating early on a map this small. Mm-hmm. Um, the Marvin strategy is essentially, it's not a situation of randomness. It is something that you can nail down the timing of. The exact logistics of the strategy is pretty much getting the cadence of the spin down perfectly. Mm-hmm. And what that likely looks like is counting out um, when it's common, when it's blue, when it's purple. And getting that pattern in your head one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one. You're going to hit it. And the hope is that you can figure out where that purple is and do it consistently every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point in our ranked grind, we were on a 12 or 13 streak of getting purple every single time. Um, that's going to make a difference. It's yep. going to make a difference in your game. So it's a skill that you're going to want to master. And I would say it's much more difficult than the world's edge skill of hitting the the loot drones at the I agree. time. 100% much more difficult. Well said. Next, let's chat replicators. Um, we kind of already said some stuff. Yeah, we, we did, but there's definitely still more to say. That's how important they are. Like <laughs> Replicators are key, not only in your drop location, but actually understanding how to extract the most value out of them. Um, I would say the mo- the priority order of what you're going to be replicating is probably going to be armor. If you don't have armor or if you have common, you're going to replicate armor almost no question mm-hmm. next if there's a mag in the rotation probably going to craft that next ammo ammo can be crafted so easily it's like a, a must and you get a huge amount of value from it next as many batteries as you possibly can carry mm-hmm. finally the flatline. um i was shocked and a little bit disappointed in terms of what happened uh, to the flatline and the longbow being in the replicator, <laughs> they are not as accessible as I thought they would be. Um, yeah. The price is, to be honest, too much. Um, and the, right now it's 30 crafting materials uh, to get either of them. It comes with some ammo, which is nice. Um, but the priority of armor, magazine, ammo, batteries, pretty much is going to supersede uh, either of those weapons. And the logic and the thought behind it, initially we thought, that's a lot of value, you know, being able to get the flatline every single game, you know, almost no matter the price, it's going to mm-hmm. be worth it. That is not true. And I think we were wrong on that. And what's sad is the flatline longbow used to be free, and now they're not free. Mm-hmm. And so I would love to see them 
maybe even remove the ammo and drop down the price to mm-hmm. 10. Like, mm-hmm. I really think that flatline and longbow should be more accessible if you want to keep them in common rotation in the game. But we rarely saw a flatline, and we probably never saw a longbow in our yeah. entire range grind. I think that's totally fair to say. The only other thing is barrel stabilizer that will, you know, mm-hmm. pique my interest if it uh, flies in there. Um, not above anything except for maybe the flatline. Though there, I think the order is pretty much down pat. Um, but yeah, replicator, uh, lifeblood of a rank grind right now, and uh, playing to it is key. If you, there's a light mag in there, play for it. If there's a heavy mag in there, play for it. Like try to maximize it because it's free stuff, and you don't get that a lot. Uh, being able to walk out of your first POI with three bats is just a really nice advantage to have going into another fight. Let's talk team comps. So we'll share our team comps, and we'll share some kind of uh, popular team comps as well. And essentially, there's two ways to play on Olympus. In our opinion, you got edge zone, play the edge, kind of the classic edge grind where you don't really play any defensive legends you take fights that are as isolated as possible by being on the edge of the zone and you just work your way in you're not going to ever go in advance play a little bit slower play a little bit more aggressive essentially and then you got play buildings and we say buildings and power positions kind of in tandem but this is a tough map for buildings and power positions so essentially it's just play positionally i think is the the nicest way to look at it um go to the advantageous position on the map and do whatever you can to control it for as long as you can and as long as possible uh, to in turn rank up that placement because placement is more important than ever in a ranked grind right now. Uh, the difference that this season has had, uh, I think is pretty major for getting that top five and that top three being absolutely crucial and playing ahead, showing your hand on, hey, I'm going to defend this spot, don't come here, is pretty important. It really is. And when you play the ladder, of those two strategies. When you're playing positioning, you need to play the survey beacon. Mm-hmm. And so that pretty much takes two slots out of your team comp. You need yep. a defensive legend and you need a recon legend. So that pretty much sets your team comp for the most part. Um, we have opted to play that style. So our team comp is crypto for the best survey beacon and the wonderful addition of the EMP mm-hmm. and Watson as kind of the best legend at showing people I am here, don't touch me, and the wonderful benefit of the ultimate, I would say more than, you know, canceling out grenades and area of effect ultimates is the passive shield regen. It really does make a massive difference in when the fight starts uh, and timing, healing, um, being able to keep the pressure on. I think both of those are the best legends at what they do defending buildings, and hitting survey beacons. And then Mm -hmm. our third is, of course, Gibraltar. You know, the fill-in for any team, going to give you a little bit of an ability to play in the open, but also Mm -hmm. just support getting the team to that building. In many ways, it's weird uh, to think about Gibraltar as that person because he doesn't have mobility, but in many ways, he guides the little crypto and the little Mm -hmm. Watson to that end ring because they don't have anything in the open. They yep. need the bubble. Everyone on that team needs the bubble. Mm-hmm. And based off of that logic and how we're approaching playing on this map and playing in ranked, there's no substitute in that mm-hmm. team comp uh, with how we currently play. Yeah, I've, well said. I think it, it's an incredible comp for what we were trying to do, essentially, which is, hey, we want to take an advantageous fight when we need to, and we can do that with a Gibraltar ultimate 
comboed with an EMP because we have no movement and we have no in-fight abilities outside of the bubble. We need those big ults to take an early fight and give us an advantage with how our legends are. But for the most part, it was, hey, let's try to get late game. Let's try and force a close quarters combat fight. We're controller players. That's where our advantage is. We're getting close quarters and not having these, you know, medium to long range fights with the people that, you know, click your heads instead. Um, so we were playing to our strengths in that way. And like I said, getting placement, Watson's huge for that. Says show people, hey, I don't don't want you to come here. Um, and if you come here, we're going to have a huge advantage over you. If you do. Um, and that's really key. And then, like we talked about, the Tridents being a huge part of this map, we didn't feel the need for a mobility, team mobility legend because we had the Tridents plus the bubble, which essentially filled in that role for us. Um, it worked out really well. Uh, we were able to be aggressive early when we needed to to pick up KP, and then we were able to hold that KP as long as possible and rank up the placement and then pick up the ending KP in the final fights. Now, what if you don't want to play that specific team comp. Mm-hmm. Legends that fit into playing edge. Gibraltar being number one. The reason bubble. for that is the bubble. This map was the beginning of Gibraltar being picked at 100%. Um, I think that kind of speaks for itself and how the map is designed and how Gibraltar fits on it. A close second uh, and rival would be Valkyrie. Um, mm-hmm. Being able to have the redeploy ultimate is very, very powerful for playing edge. Um, and getting you through open spaces. Um, so it, it's hard to contest that. Almost honorable mentions, uh, or kind of below those two, I think, for playing edge, is Ash. Ash is very high risk, but the mm-hmm. ultimate is incredibly deadly when used effectively. Yep. And then Octane. That, that launch pad is still uh, very supreme in terms of quick team mobility, and it can be used on Olympus. Mm-hmm. And I'll throw in as well one more into that. Bloodhound. Like Bloodhound's always a nice fit for taking those edge fights and just having an advantage in fight in terms of speed individually, but also intel for the team. Uh, I won't be recommending Seer to replace that role on this map, though, unfortunately. Um, talking defensive legends, though, we got obviously we lean towards Watson, but you got Caustic and Rampart as well in there. Um, do you have a favorite between those two if we we're going to s- substitute one for Watson? I think based off of the building design, on Olympus, Rampart is maybe the best at mm-hmm. actually defending buildings with her amped cover. Um, does that mean that she's the best defensive legend on the map? Still no, um, just because of how important Watson's visual defense is and how mm-hmm. powerful the ultimate is. But I truly don't want people to sleep on Rampart for Olympus. You know, the, the Trident accepting Sheila as mm-hmm. a mount a fun, interesting thing that can really change how you rotate and the openness of many of the buildings on Olympus mean Mm -hmm. that Rampart is very strong. She's the only legend that can actually defend them successfully, not just for show, like Caustic and Watson can do. Yeah. Caustic is their traps, you know? They're meant to surprise people, which is not the goal of ranked. You don't, you, you want to increase your placement, not try and bait people in per se, which will then lead to a third party. So now at the top of the list on that frame, let's talk loadouts though. And I think the first note when we talk about like best loadouts for this map and best loadouts for the rank grind is that Gibraltar pick, right? Especially when you get into the higher levels of ranked, we're playing him exclusively. And a lot of people would say you have to have a Gibraltar to climb. And I think there's a lot of good reasons and I would agree. Uh, But with that comes a lot of bubble fights, a lot of double bubble fights late in the game. 
And one of the big bubble fight weapons is shotguns. Time in which you can be hit versus the time in which you can deal damage. Kind of your peak time, I guess, essentially, is what if we want to call it that. Very big for bubble fights. And so uh, putting one on a team, I think, is a really nice advantage to have, especially if someone on your team is proficient and good with shotguns. We don't think every single person on the team needs to run a shotgun just because you got a Gibraltar out there. Doesn't mean you have to have three on the team, but having one to two in your comp, I think is uh, very helpful. But with the caveat, I will always say on shotguns, only if you have players that are good with them. No point in getting the reward out of it if the reward comes one out of 10 times with a shotgun, which it's a very difficult gun. And so that is the case for some people. But fill in the rest of that or or disagree with me as well. <laughs> I think that it's sadly true. In the yeah. past, uh, we have said that Olympus is not like World's Edge. World's Edge has the urban combat on many, many POIs. Shotguns are going to be way more valuable on World's Edge than Olympus because Olympus mm-hmm. is so open. But like Shay said, the the prevalence of Gibraltar pretty much welcomed that shotgun necessity. You need a purple bolt. Does that mean Maggie is very strong on Olympus? Not necessarily. Um, it's not a big enough increase to make it a necessary ranked uh, legend. Mm-hmm. Peacekeeper, I think, is going to be your best bet. Yep. But also, if you're not loving the shotguns, the wingman is a very good option that can replace it in those close quarters fights and still pack a big punch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will say that outside of that discussion, you can really use any weapon you want. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the honest truth. We can come in and say, oh, you should use the R301, you should use the Rampage. Um, those are true. But truthfully, the guns in Apex are so great and they are designed to be used on any map. So mm-hmm. keep that in mind. The bigger point is play the replicator. Eliminate yep. the RNG and use the weapons that you're good at enforced by the replicator. Um, that's kind of the loadout tip. I think that's very, very true. Very well said. And yeah, run your Havoc or Turbo or uh, Devo if you find a turbocharger and keep it to that. That's the only, the only other thought I'll throw in there again. <laughs> yeah. Now, what about the best end rings? If you're going to be playing for positioning, what do you mm-hmm. want to see? Um, essentially, it's a pretty simple answer. Yeah, you we want, got a couple. We got yeah. Only a couple on this map, unfortunately. And, and this is why we don't really like the map, because you are um, very, very restricted in where you can play if you want to play positioning. The four that we get excited about are Gardens, Top of Rift, Carrier, and Bonsai. These are places that you can very easily defend, that we're very confident defending, that if the ring shrinks on any of those four, we're going to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, guaranteed. Other options um, are kind of uh, few and far between and definitely less effective. Um, do you want to rattle off a few of them? I can uh, try. Yeah, They're just not as good. They're, They're not, not as, as good. good. Like truly. So, and truly when you, like, okay, so here's a couple on the list. We got kind of the hillside outside of hydroponics essentially looking for height in that common ring shrink. You got the front of Icarus, the uh, uh, hold essentially, where one way in, one way out, pro and con, you get to fight it. Con, it's hard to escape sometimes. Um, In that 
spill-off location between Estates Oasis and Elysium. Underneath, not a bad option if you're playing Defensive Legend and you have the buildings around you. But they're not ideal. And that's kind of the true case of things. Oh my goodness, the cat is going crazy right now. That's the case of things. And you really just, you don't want to have to. But essentially, when you're playing that positional fight, you just got to take whoever is in the best position. Yeah, the other locations that I think we like is back of Oasis. Um, Almost in between Turbine and Hammond, there's a small building where uh, the kind of lore-based Marvin is. It's a very defendable building, but again, hard to escape from. Um, On top of the orbital cannon wall is also quite good. all of these, though, are going to be harder, you know, if you're playing positioning. And that's where you want abilities like an EMP, like a defensive mm-hmm. bombardment, um, to kind of help you win those games. Because unlike a map like King's Canyon, which we are extremely excited to play on and cover, you don't have as many commanding locations that are easy to defend and you can be confident. And if you get there first, you're going to be in the top five, top three, guaranteed. This map really isn't like that for the most yeah. part. Bonsai and Carrier are top three, though. And by Bonsai, we say top of Bonsai, essentially. Yeah. And now, if it's not the best entering, if it's not one of those four or some of those other supplemental options, you have the horrible endrings. And what that looks like is essentially anything else. The reason for that is open space and more so the building design on Olympus. So I want to kind of talk about a little bit of the key buildings that are repeated throughout the map and why they are difficult, why they make end rings hard, playing positioning hard. Um, What do you think about the difference in building design? They're just not built to be defensive, unfortunately, which is not a horrible thing and it's not a good thing either. It's just not good for that style, but it's a different switch up on how you play Apex. There's too many windows, too many points of entry. There's not doors on some of the buildings. They're just really not built for that kind of style, essentially. They're built for mid-combat, climb on top, slide to the bottom, go through, play around kind of fighting instead. Um, And that's just essentially the truth of it, unfortunately. Yeah, if we look at a few examples, you have the oval buildings that can either be standalone or almost stacked on top of each other. Very hard to defend, especially with Watson. Uh, There really isn't an ideal placement for the pylon. The one key spot I think is great in these oval buildings is playing on top of the refrigerator in the kind of kitchenette space. It's pretty good cover. It's a little bit unexpected. You have good visibility on both points of entry. But definitely a very different building than anything else uh, we've seen on an Apex map. Yeah, and if you look at kind of the other maybe repeatable style of building, you have the, I don't know what we want to call them. We were struggling to describe them. Yellow and white two-story buildings you have the large version of it and you have the small version of it the larger one has like the holographic table in the main room and the smaller one is most notably known by it's one floor and then it has a stairway to an exit Um, the stairway to the exit on the smaller building is actually a pretty defendable location we've found Um, but once again these buildings just suffer from there's so many ways for people to break in and look in that you can't defend them well. And it's truly, truly 
sucks as like a as a Watson player yeah. now, essentially, where I have to go in with the mentality of, okay, my pylon can be shot from six different spots. Not really going to be a place we can defend. Sometimes you're just better off playing outside instead and playing edge, yeah. playing height. Yeah, or playing a rock. You know, pylon placement really? on a rock. Yeah, uh, it can be infinitely better. Um, but like you said, the the single story building with the stairway up onto the roof. The reason that that is honestly the best building on this map that's repeated is because you eliminate the window exposure when you're playing inside the staircase and you only have one or two points of entry. So it's mm-hmm. very easily defendable. Any other uh, building, way too many points of entry, way too many windows for grenades, bullets, bad mm-hmm. stuff. And then you come to the circle buildings. Circle buildings is death. Let's not even talk about it. You can't go do in there. You die. not mm-hmm. do it. Do not do it ever. Very bad. I wouldn't even play on top of them. Like no. You just yeah. avoid them at all cost. Yeah. And last caveat I'll throw in, that kind of like two-story defendable one, Henry, that you just mentioned, exclusive to a Watson. You have to have Watson because yeah. if you don't, you'll get grenaded the heck in the small area you're playing with you and your team, um, unfortunately. So it's always too bad to kind of be reliant on a legend, but at least she has that one thing going for her on this map, I guess. <laughs> That's very true. But let's wrap it up. That's Olympus. What are some of your overarching thoughts after, you know, grinding to masters, Henry, and uh, becoming a pro on Olympus? I think this guide is very, very uh, holistic. I think it covers everything that you really need to know. This map is hard. This map's really, really hard. That's why we don't really like it, um, because the whole map is designed to force you to fight, force you to take risk, and that might be good for gameplay and fun, but for ranked, that's really scary. So yep. like this map uh, is fun for that reason, but for ranked, I think it is the most challenging map. Uh, and if you're able to climb on it based off this guide, congratulations. Good on you. Please let <laughs> us know. Yep, 100%. And I will say, to answer the question, how to avoid third parties on Olympus, in summary, everything we mentioned today, but I think the the biggest point is avoid the rhombus of death. Estates, Hammond, Energy, Turbine, avoid those spots. You're going to have a much better time playing this map, and you're going to avoid third parties. That's going to wrap things up. Thanks to you, our producer of the Third Party 10, as well as our dropship captain, Luke, who supports us over on Patreon. Subscribe on Apple Pods, drop a follow on Spotify, and check out the Discord via the link in the description. Thank you so much for listening to the Third Party Podcast. Catch you next time. Peace. Hey now, another squad coming in. Boom, whole squad down. Hey, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow.